Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Master Your Mental Podcast. If you are new here, my name is Paris, and I am the creator and host of the Master Your Mental Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here to tune in and hear my amazing guests and I describe the ways we can leverage and shift our mindsets to take the best possible care of our mental health. I launched the podcast as a way to motivate, inspire, empower, and educate people on these interesting topics. My background and passion for this all stemmed from the field of psychology. After completing both my BA in psychology and my MBA in healthcare administration, my passion for mental health only continued to grow. As a result of this, I launched Master Your Mental to bring more awareness, tips, and conversations to the table about these topics. You guys might be wondering, what does the mental stand for? Well, it stands for mindset, engagement, nutrition, talk about it, accountability, and love yourself. These are all the building blocks that make up what Master Your Mental is all about. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on any one of my social media platforms you guys can find in the link in my bio on my Instagram at master your mental. Now let's get into the episode guys. Hey guys. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome to this week's episode. I'm so excited to be here talking with you guys, because as you can see, we're talking all things intuitive decision-making this week. And I wanted to record this little intro here for you to let you know why I wanted to talk about this topic and a little bit of what you can expect from this episode. So this is going to be a topic, of course, with my amazing guest here. I'm going to be introducing you guys to in just a moment. She is going to be sharing her own personal story in terms of what that journey looks like when we're talking about decision-making. And her story has a lot of that, a lot of different, she's, she's had a lot of different experiences and gone through a lot of different paths in terms of career and what she's doing with her life and her time and service for others. So I really love that. And a, a big piece of this too, is because a lot of the times when we're faced with transitions or different decisions. And I know if you're anything like me, you have a very hard time making decisions when it comes to anything, let alone life decisions or whatever it is to eat for dinner, because that's exactly how I am. And when you can have this topic here of breaking down what it looks like to actually be in the present moment and break down the list of things that you have that are going good and that you can be thankful for in reflection of being able to discover what you're going to be doing next and how to tap deeper into that. So I don't want to say too much on that because I want to let my amazing guests speak on that and give you guys all of the tips and tricks this week on what that looks like of intuitive decision-making and how to step into that when you're faced with different obstacles and challenges and you're not sure what to do and you're feeling like you're not in the right place because she breaks that down beautifully. And again, before we go ahead and get into it, I do need to thank you guys for being here. And again, sharing your feedback and your thoughts with me. And a great way that you do that is by leaving me reviews on Apple Podcasts, because that always helps me see what you think and to hear your thoughts and feedback and to see what you enjoy the most about the show and how I can keep adding more of that in for you. So I want to go ahead and read a little review that I have here in front of me for you guys to give some a little appreciation for one that I see. And this is one that I see right here. And it is saying, 
five stars, big topics made easy to talk about. And it says Paris tackles topics many podcasters avoid mental well being, trauma, self care. Well done. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that review. And I will definitely be incorporating more of that into the show and always love to hear from you guys. So if you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave me a review. Love to hear from you guys and really, really appreciate it so much. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. Hello, guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the Master Your Mental podcast. I have a special treat for you here. As you guys can see, we are diving into all things intuitive decision making this week. And I am not alone in this journey. I am having going to be joined by my wonderful guest, Laura Hale, who is here. Laura is a yoga instructor, Reiki master, hypnosis therapist, and a master of of the mind body connection when chakra balancing is concerned. So I'm super excited to have Laura here with us. She's going to be diving into her personal story along with this and tech tips and techniques that you guys can take home to really tap into this. So without further ado, welcome Laura to the podcast. Thank you so much. I love your podcast so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And I'm so, so excited to have you here because this is something that I am really excited to get into because you are an expert in the space and who better to dive into what this is all about, what this means, what is intuitive decision-making than you. So let's, let's get into that. But before we do, I would love if you can tell us what is the number one thing that lights you up in this life like nothing else? <laughs> it's being around my family. Yeah, I have a lot of sisters. And we're all really close. And it's just really fun to be around them. Mm -hmm. And there's honestly, there's nothing else like family, especially when you t have, have that support system and being able to have have people who know you like better than you know yourself to really right. give you that feedback and that dialogue when you're like, I don't know what's going on. You can have, you can go to them and especially your sisters, right? Like I know, I know I have those too. And they, they're definitely <laughs> the ones who can really give you all the feedback and all the advice and all the tips that we sometimes don't know what it is or don't have the awareness of the clarity. So I love that. And on that note, especially when we're talking about clarity and what that looks like, what does that what does that process look like to you when you're trying to, when you're dealing with something with, with either yourself or a client where there's a block or an obstacle or a challenge coming up, does the process look differently depending on the challenge of how to navigate that? Or what would you really say? Yeah, I would say the process could be different, but actually the underlying thing is usually pretty similar. And it's um, often that we're not admitting something to ourselves that, and sometimes it's just that you can't see it until someone else points it out. Like you're talking about your sisters pointing things out to you. Sometimes you're just not aware of it. But it, a lot of times it's, you're just not really admitting what's really true for you deep down because maybe you're embarrassed about it or you're ashamed or it's just not what everyone else would be doing. And you, you kind of like are putting all of these layers of beliefs and society and the way you were raised on top of what is really true for you deep down. So that's to me the common thread that I see for people is that um, is that just truly authentic you and really letting that out and letting that be um, out in the open as much as possible. Wow. And 
You guys know I always have my notebook with me to make sure I'm getting down all of these amazing pieces of information so we don't leave anything out of this. But I love that you say you bring up that piece of awareness because that's something that I always keep seeing come up when you're talking about overcoming an obstacle or a journey or wanting to be, like you said, that true version of yourself, but having that lack of get, of getting into expressing that due to, like you said, things that we've seen in the environments or what, you know, society says, okay, don't, you know, talk too much about this or don't share too much about this. And what is that? And I'd love to hear you kind of get into your journey and how you got into doing, into doing this, the work that you're doing. So what did that path kind of look like? Well, it started out with me doing the opposite of what I was just saying, which is following (laughs) what everyone else in my family was doing, going to the same school that they went to, and then following my friends from college to Chicago to work for Arthur Anderson, which was the accounting firm for Enron. I don't know if you are remembering that whole thing. That happened about three months before 9-11. So Enron was just like a company, I think maybe an oil company or an I don't even know, in Texas. And they, and so Arthur Anderson was their accounting firm. I was in the consulting side. So I was in healthcare Mm. consulting, but there were some documents shredded. And then there is a big court case. And basically my company that I worked for, which was one of the big five accounting firms, it doesn't exist anymore. And so when all of that was happening, I mean, I was like, this company is 90 years old and it is, people are getting fired right and left. And some of the company was bought up but all of that happened right around 9-11. And so I was looking around going, oh, this is not stable. I mean, it should have been, but it's not. And so I went back to school to become a high school Spanish teacher because I thought stability and summers off, big, long holidays. And I did that for about six years. And then in 2007, I went over the summer to become a um, get trained to become a yoga teacher. And then I came back from there, went started up teaching again and was teaching yoga And then I started looking around at the people that were teaching yoga and I was like, oh, they're just living kind of what we now call the gig economy, gig, gig lifestyle. And two years later, so I was still teaching, I was teaching yoga and I was also teaching abroad in the summers. I was teaching a study abroad program. So I was now teaching year round, teaching yoga and doing all of these extracurricular activities, like leading extracurricular activities as the, um, as like the teacher in charge. And I got this really strange food allergy in the fall of 2009. And I felt like I had food poisoning off and on for days. And luckily, my dad is a family physician. And so I, I told him, he's like, well, it sounds like you have IBS. I was like, Dad, that is a BS diagnosis. Because (laughs) (laughs) you've been telling me that for years. And this is way different, like way more painful. And so I got my blood tested and then all of these foods were kind of off the charts and I had an eosinophil count of 58, which if you're in the medical field should be shocking to you. You're supposed to have it between zero and eight and it's one of the white blood cells. So I then went to a skin prick allergy doctor where they test everything on the outside of your skin. And I'm thinking that's weird because like I'm eating food, which is going inside and how are you testing it on the outside of me and saying it's whatever, but okay. Um, so this guy was my dad's age and he brought his medical student in because they were so dumbfounded by my eosinophil count. And he was like, your white blood cells are bleaching out your insides. This mm-hmm. has to stop soon. And so you got to cut all of these foods out. I mean, the list of foods was really crazy, but he said, most of them are going to 
you know, in a couple of weeks after you cut them out for a while and your body kind of resets itself, you'll be fine and you'll be able to add most of them back in. Mm-hmm. But he goes, you will never have eggs again. And when he said that during the whole appointment, I was frozen. I was sort of just like paralyzed, taking it all in. And he says that, and I heard the loudest voice in my head. It said no. And so I then got to the nutritionist and she gave me salad dressing recipes. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? That was not something I was even prepared to handle at that time. And so I left, cried for a while, and then eventually decided I was not going to live like this. I was like, this came in out of nowhere. It's going away. And I refuse to live like this forever. I love brunch. I love brunch so much. Like brunch is probably my favorite food group. So to not be able to eat eggs, I was like, I'm sorry. Absolutely not. I will not live like this. So I started asking my yoga friends and they sent me to an energy healer. And when I went to see her, I just felt this alignment. I was like, this is me. I don't understand what this is. I don't know what is happening, but this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I could just, I just knew. And so she sent me to a Nayat practitioner, which is an allergy elimination technique with using acupuncture needles. And you basically hold these vials and they're labeled with um, the energy of all these different things, like f- different kinds of flowers, different kinds of foods, whatever you could be allergic to. And the practitioner that did that was a retired anesthesiologist who looked like Santa Claus. <laughs> and he says to me, you can heal yourself. You don't need me. And he gave me Louise Hayes, you can heal your life book. And so I did go to him a few times and then eventually, and I don't remember exactly when this happened, but I eventually was brave enough to start eating eggs again. I would try it out every now and then I was continuously getting my blood tested every few months just to make sure, but I knew I was fine because I was feeling much better. Mm. So that led me down that healing journey. I got a Reiki certification. I eventually quit teaching without a plan. I just decided I'd pick up more yoga classes and start kind of this entrepreneurial lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of have bounced around doing all kinds of different things. Um, I've owned and operated several different businesses. I've managed yoga studios and I've trained people in Reiki. And then I, my best friend and I, she owned a yoga studio. I was working for her. And then we hired this business coach. It was kind of a train wreck. Oh no. Then finally we decided we don't really want to be doing this anyway. So it was a, in the in the long run ended up working out, but we decided to move. So we moved together to Asheville, North Carolina, which is where we are now. And we started our own business together and we did that for about 3 years, but we just were trying to accommodate each other too much. Mm-hmm. So now we've in the in the fall this last year we decided let's just do our own businesses and save our friendship. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I'm wrapping up everything that I've learned over all of these years. And, and really it got kicked off by that experience in the doctor's office because, you know, there's this documentary out there called Heal. It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. But um, he, but there's a little scene in that movie and they say, you know, when you're at the doctor's office, you get a prognosis and you get a diagnosis. So the diagnosis was you cannot eat eggs again. Or let's say the diagnosis was you cannot eat eggs. And mm-hmm. I agreed with that because... I felt horribly and the prognosis was ever again. And Mm. I refused to take that prognosis on. And that's kind of what the movie is saying. It's like, if, if it's kind of, you know, I mean, this whole podcast is about your mental Mm -hmm. state. And if you start to dig into like quantum physics, or if you read this amazing book called the biology of belief, it talks about how much our mind is dictating what's happening to us. Mm -hmm. And, and so, 
in that moment when he said, you're never going to eat eggs again. And I said, no, my mind refused to buy into that prognosis, but it's hard to do when you're standing in, you know, in front of a person who's gone to medical school and is wearing a white lab coat. And, Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I just knew part of me just knew this wasn't my path. So, wow. Yeah. So that's how I ended up here helping other people kind of tune into that inner knowing. Cause I really do feel like we all have this part of ourselves. That's whether you want to call it connected to God or your soul or your higher self, people use lots of different types of phrases. And I would never presume to have any idea, like, (laughs) you know, how to label it. But I just know there's a part of each of us that's connected to the infinite Mm -hmm. knowledge and wisdom that's out there. And that if we can get through the rubbish that's covering all of that up, then we can connect into that and we can figure out what we need to do with our lives and figure out how to have more peace and that kind of thing. Wow. And (laughs) that's just so so interesting to hear you just describe what you do, which is what you literally live through with this, all the transitions you shared from working at Enron and having this, having this job and the stable place that you thought was, was around for 90 years. And then that's gone, that's gone. So that really goes to show you that, that, you know, that's so true. What you're saying is the biology of belief when you, we have this belief of, okay, this is going to be here forever. It's going to be good. And then you're almost, you almost put yourself in a state of being paralyzed where you can't move, which is what you shared when you were in that doctor's office, when you felt that, that paralyzing feeling of being told this, and then having that moment of freezing and then thinking you could either continue to have those beliefs and then live, live out that and, and not be happy with what you enjoy. But that's what, another thing that I love that you bring up the, the relationship between nutrition and mental health. And then also the physical aspect, because how you feel in your body, like is all these things that you're describing with getting into the healing aspects of Reiki and yoga and being, and then being getting certified in that, and then teaching other people how to do these things to really work with the body and then bring these things out through moving different parts of the body. And especially with what you're eating is a huge thing because you really described the, the impact that that had on so many areas of your life. And then if not taking that into consideration and really being able to, to dive into that, I love also how you tie this in with this, the biology of belief, because like you said, oftentimes it's almost like we're searching for something outside of ourselves. That's, that's holding us in this place. But a lot of the time, like you said, it's really ourselves with the continued patterns. And like you said, being able to have the awareness to recognize those patterns, which is a gift that you got through going through Reiki and then through the certification process. So I'd love to hear, like, how did you get introduced to that? Like, was it your, one of your friends that got you introduced to to Reiki and yoga or did you just kind of go find it and then just decide to, or what was that? What was that like? (laughs) Well, okay. It started with yoga in the mid nineties. And the reason I started doing yoga was because of Madonna. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So I bought a VHS tape back in the day and I just did the same VHS tape over and over again. And then, you know, I didn't really have access to it in college. It just wasn't a thing back then in the college that I went to. Mm -hmm. And I was living in Chicago and I went to a couple of classes, but it was really just um, when I moved to Indianapolis, I don't even know how I got started going to yoga. I just, it's just like one of those things where it calls to you. And Mm -hmm. so you follow it. And then The Reiki came about because I was opening a business with two friends and one of them was an Ayurvedic practitioner and the other one 
was going to be doing like life coaching. And I was mm-hmm. like, wait, what am I going to be doing in this business? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, because I had gone to that hands-on energy healer and she didn't really have a modality that has a label. She just uh, just kind of does it. And and so I was looking for something to get trained in. Mm-hmm. And Reiki is the, the easiest. To me, it was like the easiest thing to get access to. So, oh, wow. And um, then also what you talk about with acupuncture for the allergies. Cause you were saying that you had this, the doctor who was talking about this and said, you can heal yourself. And then that's a really shocking thing to hear because a lot of times you think, you know, you need to continue to like go to these different appointments or, you know, go to these and then literally do what you're told. And, but then you kind of think of, you know, is there ever like an end in sight for this? Is there ever an an end? Yeah. Well, I kind of, so there's two things. One, the the allergy elimination technique, the it's named after a woman. And I want to say her name is like Niram Durdraprad. I cannot Mm. say it. It's an Indian name. And, um, but that's what is N-A-E-T. So she, what happened was she figured this out because she was drinking orange juice when she got really bad news on the phone. Mm. And then she couldn't have oranges anymore. She would have Mm. an allergic reaction to the orange. And so when I got sick that week, a lot of the foods I was eating that week were on the list. So to me, there's, there can be kind of like a, I don't remember anything specifically happening, but, but there, there can, this, the idea of that practice is that, that when your body has a shock, it sort of looks around and says, everything that's involved in this is related to the shock and the trauma. And now it's traumatic to have this food. So I think a lot of food allergies, I would never say all of them, but I think a lot of food allergies are probably that. And, you know, he even gave this man that practices this, he even gave this example of a woman who would get sick every time she got in their, her car. He tried to clear everything that a car would have in it, all the fibers. And finally, it was not working. So finally, he put her in the car, put the needles in her. And then you have to spend 25 hours away from whatever the substance is. She spent 25 hours away from her car and was able to then ride in it after that was over. Because it's wow. like maybe there was a, an accident or something or she mm-hmm. was shocked because she almost hit something. I don't know. So there's that piece of it, that kind of like traumatic experience and then the foods that are related to that experience that you were having in that moment. Oh, oh my and gosh. then there was another piece. Okay. So the other thing I was thinking about was what I skipped over was I started to go see a shamanic practitioner, a shaman. And this, the methods he uses was more, um, more along the lines of talk therapy. Mm. But the difference is, is that in like the yoga world, and in sort of like the Eastern medicine world, they would describe the body as having several layers, including the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. And that's, you know, sometimes there are more layers than that, depending on what what tradition you're looking at. Mm -hmm. But the idea with the shamanic stuff was instead of kind of talking through it from the mental side of things, so talking, thinking, affirmations, all of that's mental activity. But a lot of the trauma we have is actually an emotional issue Mm -hmm. and happened to us. And and the emotion is really what's stuck. So sometimes when we just, you know, this is why people go to therapy for years and years and years and years and, and, they're sort of learning how to manage things, but they're not actually healing it. Mm-hmm. In my mind, and from my experience with working with sh- the shamanic energy, working with Reiki, you actually can heal the root cause of it so that mm-hmm. it becomes not a thing for you anymore. Wow. So and like then... something that was like a trigger, mm-hmm. you might, he- when you work on healing it at that emotional level, 
you might see the trigger happening in front of you and not feel anything anymore. Oh my gosh. And then especially, I love how you bring up that relationship because I've never thought of it that way. When you have different food allergies as related to something that could have been a trauma or something like that. I've never thought of that at all. I just, I would always think of, oh, you know, this is, you know, this person might be allergic to this just because, you know, that's just how they always have been. Like I wasn't say really right. little and, you know, maybe it's a genetic thing, you know, really know, but they just don't eat that thing. Um, and I also love how you bring up to like the deeper rooted levels to heal the trauma, because like you said, like going into these different practices. And if anyone's never tried anything like this, like going into, you know, energy work or acupuncture sh shaman, and then having these energy healers to really, to like walk through the trauma. And I like how you said that he, the shaman that you saw was more kind of talk therapy and then being able to not just manage that and have those skills of what to do when those triggers do come up, but be able to heal it. And to, like you said, have that awareness of when these things are in front of you to not, not feel that like, tightness in the body or like these different things that are going on. And, you know, I like, I love if you can kind of give like a little example of that. So like, maybe if you have like a, an example of like, okay, here's an example of trauma or something that you worked through that you could walk us through, would love to be able to see that. Yeah, I would love to. So sometimes it's, um, sometimes it's finishing mm -hmm. a physical action. So I'll give this example. Um, I had a neighbor when I was a kid who was a boy about four years older than me and we were playing in the backyard and he pinned me down now i did not remember this this came forward in one of the sessions so sometimes what will happen is these repressed memories will come forward and so what we did was i actually got down on the ground the shaman got down and pinned me down but then let me push him off of me to get all the way up and finish what i needed to finish in that moment mm. and so that's kind of like a physical example but the emotional examples would be what i would tell people to do is you think about the most recent thing that triggered you and then you because it's tied to something usually that happened when you were young mm -hmm. and if there if there is one book that you should read to understand how this all works and it also has a breathwork process in it to help but it's called the presence process so it explains this whole idea of how these things get sort of stuck in our emotional body and our energy body when we're usually between zero and seven is the majority mm -hmm. of kind of the foundation. Um, and I was talking about this to my to a relative of mine who is a juvenile court judge forever. And she's not really into any of this stuff, but she's like, oh, yeah, between zero and seven. That's exactly what I see in the courts. So. So and this example would be you have this trigger or something that happened and what you do is you you let yourself feel all of the feelings, just let them come up, let them be really strong. And you want to feel those feelings in your body. You want to cry if you need to cry, get angry if you need to get angry. I cannot tell you how many times I punched my bed mm -hmm. um, to let the emotion come all the way up and bubble out. You don't necessarily need to know what happened, you definitely will be doing no one any good by blaming someone. Mm. Um, there's kind of this idea in this path that I worked with at the shaman of everyone has been doing the best they can, even your parents, they were doing the best they could with what they understood of the world, with the way they were raised and all of that. So there's sort of that level of neutrality. And now it's your responsibility to help you work on yourself. But it's, it's, it's just basically, it's doing what toddlers do, they they let the emotion come up and then they 
you know, and then they move on. But what we start doing is we start as kids changing that allowance because we're trying to please people around us. Usually we're making up rules for ourselves mm -hmm. and not necessarily ones that anyone was trying to get us to, to, to make up, but it would be, for example, if, you know, your parents would come home and they were tired after a long day at work and you're running around the house being loud and they keep telling you to be quiet over and over again. And eventually you tell yourself, oh, I'm not allowed to have fun. Mm -hmm. Or for one of my friends, it was, I'm not allowed, allowed to have fun inside, so I can only have fun outside. And now you've created this rule for yourself to please your parents. They didn't really do anything wrong. They were just tired. You know, so it's, it's starting to look at those patterns, but it's really letting the emotion come out and up and really feeling it and processing it all the way through um, instead of suppressing it. And wow. sometimes it can lead to memories of certain instances or things that you you experienced as a kid. And other times you just are trying to let the emotions flow through you. Yeah, no. And I love too at the beginning of that, how you outline the ages of like zero to seven and things that, and then also things that are repressed that we don't sometimes remember, like the example you gave of being younger and then having the neighbor hold, holding you down, pinning you down, and then not being able to finish that by getting back up. And then, and then having that and seeing the ways in which that shows up in your life of these stories that we create, right. From being being younger and then being told, okay, like you're too loud or you, you can't go here. You can't do this. You have to do this in this order. And then feeling like as an adult, like if you don't do that and the, the concept of people pleasing, right. Which is huge, absolutely huge and tied to these different things. But I love how you talk, especially when you bring up the, the piece of blame, because that's a big, that's one of the biggest things that's freeing right there is when you do that, it's almost like you're, you already are telling yourself that that there is never a solution or nothing to access because the person responsible is this other person and it's on them to like move the, the piece and you can't do that. But the thing about that is when you can say, to, and it does take time, right? It's not like an, an easy process of being able to say, okay, I'm going to do all these things and implement all these things. But when you slowly start to say, you know, what can you do tomorrow or what, or what can you do with this information and awareness of you, what you do have that has either impacted you or someone that you care for, or it's a, a tough situation that you're in. Maybe you're going through a period of like major tra transition, right? Where you're feeling like you're, you, you don't know what you're doing in your life and you're feeling lost and confused and you're, and you're saying, okay, what can I do right now? What can I do to take control of this? And I love how you also offer the different titles of the books to read. Like you did mention, um, the presence process, and also the biology of belief to really have to just continue to do more research, right? Because when we continue to learn and just put ourselves in situations where we can have more information and learn about more solutions to access, it really does open up that, that window, right? That may have been closed for forever, or maybe you thought it was going to be closed for forever that I could never overcome this or discover new solutions. But that's exactly what you did in finding basically your path of what you wanted to do and what you wanted to create for your life that many people can relate to and go through as well. You know, when you're in this one situation or in this job or position where you thought this is what it is, and then you're transitioning and learning new skills and new things. And that really brings me to this point of wanting to ask, you, you know, like when, what do you do? Cause I feel like a, a big struggle for people is we're, when we're talking about the, with the book, the presence process of staying present and being in the moment, like, what do you do for yourself? Or what does that journey look like for you in being present? Did you ever struggle with that? And what did you do to, to be able to be more in, in the moment? 
That's a really good question. Yes, I still struggle with this. Mm-hmm. And what I have found has that's been really helpful for me is when I start getting stressed out about something, I actually tune into, I close my eyes and I think to myself, if I were going to be able to talk to my inner 80-year-old self, what would she say? Mm-hmm. That was actually how I decided to quit my teaching job. I sat there and I was like, okay, if I were 80, what would I be telling myself right now? And there is so much wisdom that could come in from that because if, if you study quantum physics at all, I keep, I have all these articles, like I subscribe to all these things that send out articles. They're not really so sure time exists. So if you Mm -hmm. take that leap, then you could access the knowledge that your inner 80 year old has. And when, when I do that, it's just, it always brings this really peaceful kind of feeling over me and Mm -hmm. it brings me back to the present. And then I just, I remind myself, you know, I kind of run through a checklist of facts of things that are okay and why I really am okay in that moment. And what's actually been helpful to me, and I'm sure you've probably talked about this on the show, is emotional freedom technique or tapping. Mm-hmm. That's, that is really helpful for me too, especially um, I follow Brad Yates on YouTube and he, it's just because you use these phrases and it's like, this is actually true for me right now. I am okay right now. It is true. And so you're pulling yourself back into that present moment just by doing that and, and mm-hmm. just doing like a present moment, almost like assessment scan of yourself. No, I think that especially when you bring up the tapping point, because that's something that I actually got in that I was introduced to by another guest who came on here. And when you that's the thing that that you said of having that checklist, right, of things that, you know, right now in this moment that are OK, and then being able to have that exercise that you do of being able to close your eyes. And then I, I never actually have heard that one before. I've never heard that where you can do that and close your eyes and say to your 80 year old self, what you would want to tell your 80 year old, 80 year old self or what they would say to you, which is, which is again, you know, like another thing to, that you can take away and learn from this is that, you know, like you said to that, where you are right now in this moment is where you're meant to be and to go through that. And especially to have that, these little techniques that you can try where you're doing the tapping exercises or saying, that this is what you're feeling right now. And then you're going through to release that block and release that obstacle by, by putting it out there and speaking about it and expressing it in a way that, which is important to express it, to let yourself overcome that and really tap, tap into that in a deeper level. So I'm, I love that you just brought that up because wherever, when you're talking about stress, especially stress is correlated to like not being present. Cause then you start to worry about the future or you go to the future or the past. It's like either either one of those that you kind of hop to when that starts to come in of you're worried about this thing that's coming up or there's this thing that happened that's going that you feel is going to impact something else. So you're worrying about that and it makes it very difficult to do what you're trying to do now or work towards those things. So I love those those tips and those tricks and those techniques that you brought on um, that you've actually been able to implement. And then another thing that I would love to ask you too with that is, you know, you kind of shared your journey so far and like the path you've took and the different things that you've kind of gone on. So tell us about right now. So when we're speaking about the present, let's talk about present, the present right now for Laura. So what does that look like and what are you currently doing to serve? That's a really good question. Um, to kind of backtrack just a little bit, the last three months, I would probably say I've been through the darkest time of my life and I'm just now kind of starting to crawl out of it, starting to kind of feel more like myself again. And so for me, what I'm doing is really trying to 
be honest with myself about how I want to be showing up for my business. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm actually applying for full-time jobs as well mm -hmm. so that I can give myself a bridge to, to feel comfortable so that I can um, allow my business to kind of just be not stressful. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, I'm going to, and I have an opportunity that's coming up, but, um, I just, but I'm so, and I'm so excited to get back to the full-time world, which it's been over a decade mm -hmm. that, and I can't believe that I'm here, like work, going back to corporate after all this time, because it's been 20 years since I was in corporate, but, mm -hmm. um, but there's part of me that's so relieved to just have that stability and mm -hmm. to, and to, to, so I've kind of gone back on something I told myself a long time ago, which, you know, we make up all these stupid rules and then you're like, why am I doing that to myself? Mm -hmm. Um, but I was like <laughs> a long time ago, I was like, oh, I'm just not going to make decisions that are like solely money-based. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, I'm making a decision that's solely money-based because I'm going to lose my mind. Mm -hmm. So I have to do something that's stabilizing for me in order to be able to do what I really love. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I think some people would judge themselves and feel like, oh, I'm going back or I'm backtracking. But for me, my business is still the most important thing for me. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it just for it to flourish, I need this other stability. Mm -hmm. So wow. what I'm doing is I'm training people how to use their intuition and how to trust and access it. And I have a course coming up in July. Um, I like to call the inner part of us that knows what's going on, your inner Oracle. Mm -hmm. And so this training is actually an actually I call it third eye activation because it's really working on the third eye chakra, which is the intu intuition chakra, mm -hmm. um, which if you don't know what the chakras are, they're just they're energy centers in the body. And the most familiar, um, like, how do I say structure or the most mm -hmm. common chakras are the ones that they talk about in yoga. But they're actually, the Cherokee have chakras, the Mayans had chakras, the Egyptians had chakras, they all have different kind of systems. But mm -hmm. the idea is just that there's this kind of energy center that governs certain things in the body. So we'd work with doing things that um, give you the confidence to trust that inner knowing more. And mm -hmm. for me, it's like a skill. It's like learning to play basketball. Everyone has access to it. Everyone for the most part, could learn how to play basketball. And it's just practicing and dedicating yourself to it. So, and then I, I just have a million ideas. And <laughs> <laughs> that's the main thing I'm focusing on right now is, um, is, is taking people through practices where they can learn how to trust that inner wisdom. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I think that's, I love your outlook and just the perspective that you have on this and just the way that you speak about this, because when you talk about what you're doing with inner Oracle, it's coming out in July, which sounds absolutely amazing to really help people tap into that inner knowing that we oftentimes push away or like try to cover up or, or hush it down. So we can't fully hear it to the full extent. I love that you're putting that together, but also expressing too, that the fact that you're proud of your journey and the things that you've gotten that you've had the the ability to do in your life and all of these things that you shared and all of these these experiences that you've had that you've had to have and the relationships that you met through doing these things and all of this coming full circle and expressing that the business is the most important and then also the stability piece too which I love that you share that having that is a big factor in continuing to do what you're doing and not being hard on yourself and not closing yourself off because when you when you have that outlook it does tend to 
keep you in a place where you, where you aren't able to be productive or, or given that sense, because I definitely, I've had that experience too myself. And I love that you bring, bring it up. It's so refreshing to hear that outlook because I know it is, it is hard to right when you've done something or you're trying to do something and then you're like, Oh, like I did this. And then I'm going over here again. And like, no, it's, it's, that's not what it is. Because like you said, like the whole entire message of that, of that, this entire talk, right. Of being intuitive decision-making of having that process of knowing what you're doing is best, not just for yourself, but for the people that you're serving and that you're helping and that you're putting this work together to, to help them access these things that you've been able to access and give them those gifts. So I absolutely love that outlook. And I think that's amazing. Such a great and refreshing perspective because it almost seems like everything can kind of sometimes seem like it's like, go, go, go and do this, do this thing and do this thing and do this thing. And then you don't take breaks. You don't take rest. You don't go back to where you were previously before. And you're, I just, think that's such a such a beautiful and necessary component to everything that you're doing and it is so 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 needed and you know this brings me to another question that I will have just for you Laura and gotta know this one because everyone always has such an interesting outlook on this and of course because we're out here today on the Master of Mental Podcast so I have to ask you what is one thing and if you can narrow it down to one that's awesome. Um, one thing that you're doing right now in this moment to master your mental. Well, we've already touched on it. I would say mm-hmm. emotional freedom technique. Yes. That's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. That's the, and actually listening to your podcast has been really helpful. I gave two oh. things. I gave two. <laughs> oh, I love that. And, and do you do, do you do it like in the morning or at night or do you just kind of whenever? I do it whenever I freak out. Whenever. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I love I love that too. And we're going to talk talk more about this too and just dive into this more too of just the the EFT and just and I love how you shared too people can kind of check out the Brad Yates YouTube for that and I love just having something to do when you do have those experiences and then those stresses and those anxieties and everything and then tell us again where everyone can find you. I know you have the Instagram. So tell us everywhere that we can get in contact with and follow you and learn more about you and inner Oracle. Okay. My website is Laura, because like Paris, I have a difficult last name <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at the same. And actually I have a YouTube channel too. So all of that's connected from my website. So you can easily link Perfect. to it. So I will go ahead and link that in the notes. And so you guys can check her out, follow her journey. You definitely do not want to miss it. I know there's so many valuable nuggets. I filled up in more than an entire page of notes with all this that we're going to be covering. So check Laura out. And I want to thank Laura for being here and you guys for being here. So thank you guys and hope you have a good rest of the day or nighttime. So bye you guys and bye Laura. Bye bye. Bye. All right, guys, that was the end of the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to become a guest or share your thoughts, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email at hello at masteringmental.com or you can DM me on Instagram at masteryourmental where you can also find a link in my bio that you can use to find me on all of my other social media platforms. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to the Master Your Mental podcast. Have a good one, guys. Bye.